um, I had leek and potato soup Ooh. and a mushroom melt. Yeah. Oh, that's really that fancy. So fancy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I had a tin of beans. <laughs> Tuesdays, <laughs> I give myself like a okay Hemingway. A, like a free. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Indie Podcast. I'm independent editor-in-chief Drew Brown. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Andy Bullman, and Hi. our producer, Luke Quinton. And uh, yeah, we are here to talk about some municipal politics with our uh, correspondent, Jess Puddister, in a few moments. But first... Me and Andy are going to run through the highlights of the things that are going on in this wild and wacky country slash province. We're going to start federally. We're going to start with Jason Kenney. We're going to start with what's happening with COVID-19. Um, what do you What do you think? Uh, I think it's bad. It's I think, bad. I think <laughs> yeah, yeah I think, no, the country is like a humanitarian disaster, basically, yeah. especially out in the prairies. Like everyone in Man- like Manitoba's fucked. Yeah. It could have been less bad, I guess, if, you know, Absolutely. half the country hadn't elected like deliberately dumbass conservative parties to run the government. It turns out that like, you know, governing is important and sort of serious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, J- Jason Kenney in particular, because Alberta, I think now has the highest number of cases like in the country, like an absolute number is not even adjusted for population. It's super bad. Um, and also like Jason Kenney, basically because of this inaction is largely responsible for destroying the Atlantic bubble because they've refused to do any COVID restrictions um, because it's your God-given right to go to Hudson's, get your 10 cent wings, have a couple pints and then go and like infect your extended family and workplace. Um, <laughs> and if we lose our freedoms to do that, then w- what kind of life is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm here from the UCP government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason Kenny not allowing the COVID app in Alberta, I guess. I mean, it's it's really like the important thing to understand about like Alberta right wing politics is that it's like Does it's it? motivated by like the pathological hatred of the entire Trudeau family, past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the federal government, led by Justin Trudeau, comes out and says, "Hey, we're gonna have a tracking app that will like help Canadians like know if they've been exposed to COVID and help contact tracing and prevent things," uh, that is like a devastating affront to everything Alberta stands for, which is non-interference from the federal government. Um, so instead, they're gonna like fire all the nurses and destroy the hospital systems and like cause all the doctors to leave on mass and bring in their own contact tracing app, which doesn't work and I think was used by like 20 people. Um, yeah, because, you know, like the federal government did one, so they had to do their own that's different and better because Alberta has gone to the dogs. I, I'm flabbergasted by your hatred for Alberta. And I'm well, not flabbergasted. <laughs> I, I did see it coming. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I want to be clear. I don't hate Alberta. I, I lived in Edmonton for four years. I have a special place in my heart for Alberta. I actually, I, you know, like there are actually days when like I sort of miss living in Edmonton. But like, yeah. You miss of, living in three streets, though. Well, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the problem is like less Alberta and more just like the Alberta political culture is in just, it's, yeah. it is insane. It Stop is, wearing cowboy hats, too. I know that there are well, higher stakes. That's like a Calgary problem problem mostly 
I feel like. Look, I'm also here. Like, I'm here to defend Edmonton. I love Edmonton. Fuck Calgary. It's like this root of all evil. Sorry to my friends in Calgary, but like not really move to the good city. Yeah. And maybe maybe try to try to get that COVID app if you can. Try to try to get the contraband yeah. app in there. <laughs> it isn't isn't your best interest. Well, I think they wouldn't even like allow it. No, I think it was yeah, it, it was a really it was a there, yeah. Alberta's like no rats and no COVID app. <laughs> and that's their new provincial <laughs> slogan. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> new and updated. Yeah. Rat free and like COVID testing tracing free. <laughs> Good. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. This has been the two minutes of hate for Alberta and the Jason Kenney government. Yeah, and he's been missing for the last couple of days. He hasn't been making announcements. He's been hiding. I think they're supposed to like wheel him out today at four thirty Alberta time. Um, so, I like, like to think that he's just on like a Ralph Klein esque bender. <laughs> he's just gone. God. Yeah. Our beautiful bouncing baby boy, which is how my friend Mac Lamroux used to refer to him like all the time. And our editor's advice would get so mad and like make him cut out every reference. But he'd still put it in there every single time because Jason Kenny looks like a large baby. And I think more people need to be aware of this fact. Yes, the Beaverton today put an Amber Alert out for Jason Kenny, which I uh, really, that's how I like my satire. It's perfect. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. uh, more locally. Yes. Provincially. <sighs> I, I hate to bring it up, but I think we got to talk about Perry Trimper. Yes. Okay. Perry Trimper is indeed the elephant in many rooms. <laughs> I guess we should start by maybe summarizing a couple things that he's done wrong. Would that be? Okay. Yeah, I think we can we can probably quickly do the Perry Trimper highlights. Okay. Um, you so, start and I'll jump in. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so most famously last year, Perry Trimper... Um, was uh, got into a little bit of trouble for failing to hang up his phone and accidentally leaving a racist voicemail on the Inu Nation answering machine. Wasn't great. Not a great move. <laughs> no, not uh, not not a great thing to happen. Um, so, you know, he was demoted from cabinet and they had to keep him in caucus because it's a minority government and they can't lose anybody. So, yeah, so mm -hmm. it, it was what it was for a year until... And then more recently he said that people, homeless people were choosing a risky lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, also, again, this was in response to a video of, a, I think it was an Inu man who was just, like, sort of brutalized by a Goose Bay police officer. Admittedly, a strange reaction when you see a homeless guy get beat up by the police be like, well, maybe he shouldn't have been homeless. But, you know, that's, hey, uh, yeah. what are you going to do? Um, if you're the premier, you're going to leave him in caucus, but also then, like, ice him out from... It, you know, when you go to tour his district. So he's going to run in the next election as an independent and says he feels isolated and alone. So tiny violin for well, Perry Trimper. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, it's it's an uphill struggle as an independent MHA in Labrador who has repeatedly said problematic things about one of the indigenous nations in your district. What are you going to do? <laughs> So that is the Perry Trimper Report. The Perry Trimper Report. <laughs> Said some racist stuff. Good luck to you. <laughs> yes. Godspeed, Mr. Trimper. In other news, an independent researcher raised the methylmercury alarm at Muskrat Falls, but now, of course, said, uh, don't worry. Yeah, I so, mean, Nelcor's never been wrong before, so <laughs> surely everything's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should just take them at their word. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if there's one thing the Muskrat Falls Inquiry taught us, is that Nelcor is always 
correct about mm-hmm. all of their lowball estimates for everything. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm in the woods, I'm like, what's true north? It's now core. Jesus Christ. Sorry. It's not true north. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good stuff. And then still locally, uh, we have pulled out of the bubble. Yes. The Atlantic bubble is finally burst. Uh, in, I mean, obviously, when they ran that puff piece in the New York Times last week, that was a very obvious jinx. Like, the basic laws of, you know, like, everything suggests that, like, if you're in the middle of a pandemic and you, you know, get published in, like, one of the world's papers of record that everything is great and awesome and fine and we'll defeat the virus forever you're just like inviting disaster i feel like you know if anybody who's seen like any horror movie would know that's like the first oh yeah yeah classic mistake don't run upstairs (laughs) definitely there's so many (laughs) uh so the bubbles burst and so right now everyone who makes memes is doing all kinds of pull out jokes Mm. and uh, newspapers are doing bubble bursting but yeah so we're trapped (laughs) (laughs) well i mean that's really most of us sort of are trapped here (laughs) <laughs> in one way or another yeah spiritually trapped yeah trapped. you know it's good it's yeah. you know like uh, it was getting to this whole like not having to deal with the pandemic anxiety was just like it was getting old you know people getting complacent we need to be back on our toes you know worrying about like life and death and the collapse of the healthcare system and all sorts of other horrible disasters that we've managed to not have to think too hard about for like eight months it's you know suffering is good it builds character huh um <laughs> So a lot of times at the end of the show, we ask people to donate money for the independent, but maybe just throw through some money for therapy, just a couple dollars, just, just a few bucks. You know, like <laughs> average about 140 bucks a session. I think that's not too much to ask. <laughs> I mean, it, it is too much to ask, actually, uh, but it's neither here nor there. Um, and so there's all kinds of other things happening uh, globally, locally, uh, but those are that's a highlight reel. Yeah, that's uh, those are those are the hits yes. of the so. last two weeks. Well, wash your hands, sanitize your hands. Good luck. Yes. <laughs> Good luck, and can be the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> back and uh i'm here talking with jess puttister the independence new st john's city council reporter slash general municipalities are for any municipal related issues that come up how's it going yeah i'm doing well thanks thanks for having me oh no problem my pleasure love <laughs> podcasting <laughs> <laughs> um you've basically started doing this beat i guess three four weeks ago now it's been about yeah a, yeah it's about been about that. a month yeah. yeah um how are you finding it I am actually kind of shocked how much I love it. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that is shocking. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like I used to really love writing when I was in school growing up, but then when I went to university I decided that I was like supposed to do STEM because that's what like they all tell you if you want to be you know <laughs> yeah, worthwhile to yeah. society. <laughs> they like scare you away from doing arts. Oh yes. And like th- and then I kind of realized hmm, like <laughs> I actually really like writing. <laughs> so, I uh, yeah, it's it's been really cool and I am really interested in the municipal sector, so it's easy for me to write about. Um Yes, you've got a fair bit of experience dealing with and working with municipalities and I guess against municipalities or municipalities against you. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um it was definitely all very unintentional. 
you know, my partner Tim and I, we saw a tiny house on the internet in like 2015 and we were like, shit, that's super cool. Let's make one of those and live in it. So we don't have to be broke <laughs> and also like have a small footprint. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we did that and we thought like Newfoundland would be the easiest place in the world to do that. And as it turns out, it was like a living nightmare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Classic mistake. Trying to do something cool, new and interesting. In yeah. Labrador. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like almost three years of advocacy and trying to get local town councils to kind of like wrap their heads around making development um, regulation amendments so that we would be allowed to live in our tiny house. You know, we were taken to court and we ended up having to sell our tiny house and sell our land and just kind of move on. So yeah, through that process of being fucked over by a municipality, I kind of became very passionate about trying to prevent other people from being fucked over mm-hmm. by municipalities. Yeah. Great. How's it going? Uh, do you, have you seen a lot of people get fucked over by our current municipality? <laughs> um, I mean, when I, when I started all of it, I thought that St. John's would be the hardest nut to crack. Cause it's like a bigger machine, more red tape. You would think it would be like more people getting screwed over. But, um, my experience working with the city was actually really positive. That's like awesome. when I started interacting with the planning department and they, were super open to listen to like the research I had done and they like were really receptive of my input and my suggestions. Um, so yeah, what I expected was actually kind of the opposite, but I mean, that doesn't mean that St. John's is perfect by any means, but yeah, but in terms of engagement, yeah, I had a really positive experience working with the city. I mean, I guess it's because it's the most developed municipality, I guess. Um, Yeah. And I mean, they have their own planning department, like they don't just hire a consultant that comes in once every 20 years to like, <laughs> you know, look at an ancient document and tweak four things and say, oh, you got a new town plan now. <laughs> it's not like that in the city, thankfully. Excellent. Mm-hmm. It's been an interesting month on council, certainly. Yeah, as we're recording this, uh, you just followed your piece for the meeting they had on the 23rd of November, um, which was all about canceling the holiday market they had mm-hmm. just approved yeah. and talking about how they're going to get real serious about sustainable transit at the same time as they decide to not clear any sidewalks and cut the butts. It was really confusing, honestly, because like they, the video feed started late and it was like eight or nine minutes in and this thing about the holiday market being canceled wasn't even on the agenda. So oh, finally wow. tuned into the video and then it was just like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> good things slipping away. Like, what's going on? Um, yeah, it just seems so preemptive to cancel an outdoor market before... Like, I found it really confusing because, I mean, the, the, several councillors kept mentioning, like, we, we have to follow the recommendations of the provincial government. But, but the provincial government never recommended no. to shut everything down. They, the 811 and community health has been very clear about yeah. their recommendations. Well, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the biggest decision the province made yesterday was just there's no more Atlantic bubble. If you're coming in, you have to isolate for the 14 days. Right. I can't read any more headlines about bubbles bursting. <laughs> I mean, guys, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. Let's do better with our headlines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for real. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah it's, and it's, as a number of people have pointed out, it seems a bit strange that like, okay, so it's illegal now for people to congregate in the street outside where transmission is low and everyone's going to be bundled up for winter, but you can still go to the mall or go to oh, yeah. Costco. Yeah, and go to Costco. St- and they're still encouraging you to go down and go into the stores and shop. Like heavily like, encouraging you. Yeah. Like, go be capitalists. We need you to spend your money. Yeah. yeah. But you can't have 
you know, 20 meters of space. We're only going to give you six meters of space. Yes. And you yeah. can't be festive about it. We can't call it no. a festival. Like, no. Guys. But this is another issue I have with it. And they, they keep referring it to it as an event mm-hmm. where it doesn't really need to be an event if you just like yeah. close the streets to cars and allow people to use the space. Yeah. It's not, it's just a, a different way of using a municipal asset. It's not like a party. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And just for clarity's sake, who voted for canceling the market? And did anyone vote against? Just so people know. Yeah. So Councillor Maggie Burton and Councillor Ian Froud um, voted against the motion to cancel. Um, So they were pro keeping the market. And everybody else on on council voted to cancel the market. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, this is my own personal spit take, but it sort of—it sort of seems that like the market, the pedestrian market, has been contentious for some people on council and associated interest groups, and mm-hmm. I sort of think they were looking for any reason to throw a wrench in it. Yeah, <laughs> and COVID is an excellent reason to change a lot of things. Um, it turns out. Yeah. But, you know, what what do I know? I just read a municipal politics <laughs> report every day or every week for the last like eight months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw on Twitter today as well, um, Dave Marr had shared on Twitter that the um, the staff at the Bigs on Freshwater, like they all their tests came back negative. So mm-hmm. that's looking really positive for the situation in St. John's as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Like if they had have just voted to wait, or if they had gone along with Councillor Burton's suggestion of canceling the first weekend, but keeping the second one, then like perhaps in two weeks' time we could be all right again. I mean, you know, it's just sending such mixed messages. This is the problem for me. Yeah, yeah we want to. You want. We want you to shop local, and yeah. we care about pedestrians. Right. But actually, we don't. And now we have a reason to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew all along they didn't care about pedestrians. Like, I mean, it was like a horrendous suggestion to increase the sidewalk clearing budget. So, um, although that was one of the prime recommendations from the city's engineer, the traffic engineers on uh, how to boost sustainable modes of transportation. Yeah. Yeah, And it was almost everyone's election platform. Yeah. Yeah, It's really convenient how everybody loved the pedestrian mall while they were campaigning for the by-election. And then, you know. Yeah. As soon as yeah. it's over, actually, no, nobody cares about pedestrians or the yeah. pedestrian mall. Yeah, I think it's so important to vote for someone who lives in your ward. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. just can't even. If yeah. someone hasn't been downtown in six or seven years, don't yeah. don't vote for them to represent downtown. No. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I feel you. Well, you know, these are all very reasonable suggestions, which means they are doomed. In this yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, what good is the planning department and the town engineers and all the other input and the things that, yeah, anyway, it's, it's great. I love it. Do we want to talk about the, the other disaster that's happening? The Kelly's Brook? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's got like the, I know we're not supposed to reference Harry Potter anymore because JK Rowling's a turf, but (laughs) it's got a, he should, who should not be named (laughs) sort of feel to it. Like I'm even scared to mention it. Yeah. I sort of feel like I should like dress up in a full, like a hazmat suit to come in here and talk about the Kelly's book. (laughs) I mean, you probably, you'd want to wear one if you came close to Kelly's book anyway. It's probably (laughs) really polluted. How dare you discuss our beautiful trail system in such. (laughs) All those ducks that live down there are so deformed. (laughs) 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 Sewage ducks for like the last, 40 years 
that's fine. Okay. You know, they're probably like immune to various viruses. So maybe we should actually. Or full of extra ones. They probably try and mate with the rubber ducks on the rhino. That's a bad joke. I, I, uh, I have a bad habit of referencing Luke, our producer, when we when we do this podcast. But I remember a couple months ago, you were like, can anyone swim in this water? And like so many people on Twitter were like, oh, my goodness, no, don't, don't swim in that water. No, yeah. never. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are really concerned about the environment near the polluted stream. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I actually don't know if I've been on the Kellysburg Trail in a while. Like, I've been on the Remedies River Run, like, a few times. Although, like, I live in a garbage part of the city where there's nowhere to walk in the, like, walkable area. So if I want to go for a walk, I have to get in my car and drive physically to a place where I can walk. Which, like, strikes mm. me as, like, this is so backwards. Yeah. yeah. Everything about this is so backwards. Um, but, uh... I actually did yeah. a Jane's Walk um, with Piers Evans last year along the Kellysburg Trail. And we kind of, we, it was called A Tale of Two Rivers. And we kind of compared the Kelly's Brook River Valley, I guess, and the, the big section where it's underground. Um, and you can kind of hear it through the manholes, yeah. like trickling underneath. And then we uh, pivoted around and came back up Runny's uh, Mill River to kind of see what it could be like if they had daylighted the stream. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think... I think, like, paving a trail next to Kelly's Brook is going to do a w- way less damage than having it underground for decades. Like, perhaps they could pave the multi-use trail and daylight the stream and actually make it really beautiful again. And it could be something that we all really enjoy. I don't know. That's mm, way too optimistic. That sounds so yeah, reasonable. I just don't think yeah. they'll go for it. Yeah, I don't know about all this change. Uh, <laughs> not in my backyard. Uh, not, not in a, our not backyard. Our oh, pardon me. Everyone. Everybody's backyard. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. You know, unless you like are one of the poor schlubs like me who don't live in the center of the city around all the nice stuff that was built before, like, yeah. suburbs just took over everything. <laughs> Ironically, like, I legit have a shared use trail in my backyard on the south side uh, road. That wow. is a beautiful trail, too. It's gorgeous. How have you not been killed? I don't understand. <laughs> no, I know those maniacs with their $5,000 bikes. Anything could happen. My bike is like 15 years old and like not $5,000. But like during the summer, I'd say right up until a couple of weeks ago, I was going downtown several times a week on my bike. And mm-hmm. when I moved there, I just like I bought a bell. I got some lights. Yeah. And like you just slow down as you approach people. It it all yeah. works very well. I've never <laughs> seen anyone have any bad experiences on yeah, the riding, Waterford River Trail. Yeah, I've been riding a bike for a long time and I've I think I only killed that one guy. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I've never hurt someone with my bike. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I lived in Edmonton for four years. The River Valley there had multi-use uh, shared pathways. I've used them both as a pedestrian and as a person on like a $300 bike from Canadian Tire, which absolutely did not fit me. Uh, very <laughs> uncomfortable. But yeah, you know, like anyway, I lived to tell the story. And so was, as far as I can tell, so did most of the people that use the River Valley in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. But um, as we're all bourgeois wine um, <laughs> bike users, maybe we don't have the appropriate perspective. Um, must be yeah yeah. (laughs) um we've referenced ed rich's article so many times now that i think i'm just going to address it (laughs) um and i will say that most of the article i did really hate 
but I like Rare Birds a lot. Okay. <laughs> Rare Birds is great. It's a masterpiece. Uh, but I really did hate the article. The only thing in the article that I thought was interesting was the information about the Coalition of the Disabilities and how, that, how they hadn't been consulted. And I did think that was really interesting because I do think um, I... I I think that Manuel's River is a really great example of something um, that has been done to make trails more accessible. Um, they leveled out their trail. They had people in to redesign it, and they fundraised and bought um, several um, sort of almost like trail their trail wheelchairs. Um, and they improved their parking, and they you know, they did they did a lot. And um, you know I love Manuel's River. I'm always singing their praises. I think it's a great space and I think that they really worked hard to um, really involve people who have disabilities in the planning and I think that is really key and that's definitely a misstep I think if the, if that is true and Ed Rich's article is correct I think that was a mistake misstep of the city I don't know what do you think but Andy that's an example from outside town sure that doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I, I'm from PEI so I like sometimes forget what's town and what's not people get very upset yeah, no I mean every uh, listen everything up to the Avalon Isthmus is town as far as I'm concerned I agree yeah. I, Danny yeah. Land is Danny Land town oh Danny Land is extreme yeah. I mean I think like officially it is town but uh, okay. I mean it's it, spiritually it's it is more town than town honestly <laughs> it is I've been working on a winter wonderland winter danny land a parody uh, oh my god yeah it's not going great but one standout line is in the meadow we can build a michaels and i'm very proud of that <laughs> oh that is good at the <laughs> shops yeah uh-huh. with an e and an s oh yeah oh, two p's e. yes how dare they use the spell shops like that <laughs> so yeah so <laughs> to turn it back to the uh, municipal coverage i guess it's been a pretty good month, I think, a, a very successful first month of, of town, city council reporting. I'm really excited. Yay. Yeah, I think eventually when we have the resources to actually permit this, um, you did sort of initially pitch an idea of like maybe doing some field trips to various other more or less dysfunctional town councils around the province. Absolutely. Which would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, when I first started going to the municipalities NL conferences back in 2017, um, I was actually invited to speak about uh, tiny houses. I realized... Well, I didn't know anything about municipalities before I went to that conference, and I was blown away by how many people work in this sector and how many people across the province have been engaged with it for, like, in some cases, almost their whole lives because there's no one else willing to step up. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a real diversity of cultures with respect to municipal governance and kind of how decisions get made and, like, whose voice gets listened to and who's welcome to the table and who's not. Um, and I think there's a lot that can, you, you know, we can really dig into there. Mm-hmm. So I would love so much to to have the opportunity to spend some time um, listening to council proceedings in, in other areas of the province, you know, and not just on the Avalon, like mm-hmm. out in central, up in northern, the great northern peninsula. There's a lot of really good work happening up there. Um, so hopefully, yeah, we can take so moved on the road. Yes. And we can see a little bit about how like rural municipalities compare to proceedings in the city mm-hmm. um, and maybe even some progressive ideas that we can take home and suggest to our counselors here. Like, who knows? But That's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sort of wondering, like, does anywhere else in the in the province do like live council proceedings anymore? Or is it all moved to Zoom slash just off camera under the table stuff as far as i know it's been zoom i had to do a series of presentations to councils um during the spring and summer 
And I know um, the Conservation Corps in Newfoundland Labrador is doing some engagement work with municipalities in Conception Bay North, and all the all those meetings are being held via Zoom still. Um, but it's a really good question. I mean, and that's a question I've been asking myself too, even about the city, in that like if we're allowed to go to Costco and we're allowed to go to bars and stuff, like mm-hmm. shouldn't we be allowed to sit in the gallery and practice social distancing and wear our masks? I completely and agree. Yeah, actually observe what's going on because there's so much that you miss when you're not like you're only looking at one person where the camera is facing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of body language and a lot of nonverbal communication that's going on outside that frame of reference that I, I would mm-hmm. really like to see. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with the host assembly. The difference between watching the webcast and actually being in the press gallery is, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you don't see on the camera. Totally. But the important thing is, is that nobody makes any money if people attend democracy. So well, that's, I think, the main yeah. to actually getting back into the public gallery anywhere. Yeah, I was really tempted for my first article to just show up and just like plead <laughs> ignorance. Just be like, oh, I'm new. I didn't know. Well, can I, can I just sit and listen anyway? Yeah, I really don't <laughs> understand why you wouldn't be able to sit in on that. In Yeah. I, yeah. I just, there are some things that have not gotten back to normal that I feel really need to. This is off topic, but furious of the library's hours. Yeah, yeah oh my God. Like, I know. What are you doing? You can have regular hours there's absolutely very little COVID-19 here and everyone can sanitize and wear a mask and I don't yeah. understand at all three days a week three days a week it's crazy yeah yeah but again nobody makes any money at the library so it's not a priority. it doesn't matter yeah basically yeah. um you got to pay to play in this in our society currently and uh yeah that's one of the COVID has highlighted a number of things that are broken and or working perfectly as they're intended if you're more cynical but yeah i think that's that's definitely one of them like it's it's we've prioritized like stores and restaurants and bars over the library or the government yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. so you know i mean it could be a lot worse like we could be one of the places that are prioritized business to the point that like everywhere is just (laughs) everyone's just gonna get sick and die um, which we've managed to avoid so far here because our government is actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Newfoundland government, Newfoundland Labrador government is actually relatively serious about like not having the healthcare system collapse. But yeah, yeah I don't know. To again, redirect this back to the municipalities that we're actually supposed to be talking about. Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm super stoked with how, how well it's been going so far and I'm excited to see what comes next. I'm so glad. I'm really pumped about it as, as well. Oh yeah. man, no, it's, it's great. It's, uh, yeah. honestly like getting a, a consistent report every week is like really good for my mental health and the capacity of the independent, but, uh, the municipality in general, I, I think it's, it is the most important level of government. Like, um. It touches people's day-to-day lives yeah. more than anyone else. Like if, so as like a thought experiment, like if the federal government were just like disappear tomorrow, it would probably take us like, you know, like a couple weeks to really notice. If the provincial government disappeared tomorrow, it would take us like a couple days to notice. But if the municipal government disappeared, like you'd notice within like an hour because mm-hmm. suddenly you're, there's no water coming out of the tap. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Absolutely. So, but it's also like nobody, it's so under scrutinized and undercovered. So like nobody really knows what's yeah. going on. At the and end. it's so dysfunctional behind the scenes and just like this silent, it's like a silent pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it just boggles my mind that we don't, this is a rabbit hole, but like we don't have regionalization yet at this point. Like it's incredibly frustrating because for residents who live on the Northeast Avalon treat the cluster of municipalities 
as a region Mm -hmm. in their behavior and in their shopping and in their choices about like where they do extracurriculars and schools and all of that. Um, But the government, the governance doesn't match it. So, I mean, it's not an effective way to distribute resources. Mm. Um, I want to talk about the Metro bus. Uh, I know. I'm well, really city sorry. council doesn't. No one's yeah. saying anything. Nobody, well, I know, it's, but it's really going to impact me. <laughs> so yeah. I want to talk about it. Um, who tell? Just tell us how it sort of went down and how they made the t- decision to close a lot of routes and reduce. So as far as like, I mean, this wasn't discussed at a council meeting, um, and this was like a. It seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, but it seems like it's like an, an internal decision from Metrobus based on like the feedback that they received from the city on what their budget is going to be. Because like several, I guess, facets of the municipal government have been told you're getting a budget cut, there's going to be layoffs mm-hmm. and like do, do what you can with the amount of money we're giving you. Is that... I, I mean, I think that's probably accurate. I mean, I think it mostly just reflects that, like, public transit is not a priority no. in the city of St. John's. It's not a priority for the province. Um, like, a few years ago, when the federal government was, like, giving out money to improve municipal services, the provincial government was offered a significant sum of yeah. money specifically for public transit, and they turned it down. They turned it down? Yes. Because public transit here is not like a public service. It's a punishment for being too poor to mm-hmm. afford a car. I'd have to double check this, but I think it was like $100 million. Like it, it, was, it was enough money that would have revolutionized public transit yeah, in could. at least the St. John's metro region, right? We could have built a monorail. <laughs> monorail, we could, we monorail. We could have done a lot of real good stuff with that money. But again, like this, <laughs> okay, so another hot take of mine is that the entire provincial economy is based on like car dealerships and road paving and the financial apparatus required to like ensure all of this stuff. So the fact that like, yeah, the, the province has no use for that money because it has, like it does not comprehend that like you would want to take the bus if you had a choice. Like why would you not want to get in your SUV and drive by yourself around and around and around in the other ring road? Because like that's like, so... <laughs> Uh, last summer, um, a friend of mine, James Wilt, who uh, he lives in Winnipeg now, he's really into like public transit policy. He recently wrote a book called um, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Cars," which is all about Philip K. Dick reference. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty smart. Yeah, which is all about sort of like like different transit policies across the country. And so when he came here, he was you know like, he was stoked. He's like, "Yeah, I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to see how it works." And I was like, "Good luck with that, man." <laughs> uh, and so anyway, so it took it. It was actually faster for him to walk from my house up you know, in like the airport heights area downtown and back than to like take the bus. Mm-hmm. And him and his girlfriend were, were they were like at a bus stop downtown, I think. And like, there was like no bench. So they're just like, okay, I guess we'll just sit, you know, on the wall or on the ground or whatever. So just like sitting down and people were like, people were, so he was saying, he was like, people would just drive by and just be like SUV, single driver, SUV, single driver, SUV, single driver. And they would look at him like he had 10 heads because he was sitting there waiting for the bus. And ever since he pointed out that, like, yeah, like, it's just nothing but, like, SUVs with one person in them, I have not been able to stop seeing it. Every time mm-hmm. I'm, like, every time I'm out driving, like, often <laughs> a single person in my, like, tiny economy car, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, like, giant vehicle, one person. It's the most, like, it is, <laughs> it's the most outrageously inefficient system of transit in, like, human history. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's like Drew for so many things municipal when you start becoming aware of it you can't stop seeing it yeah it's like living in the matrix except horrible yeah like because I can't do any of the cool bullet time stuff yeah once you start seeing timetables of how much it costs to operate (laughs) and maintain and repair road systems and like the cost projections of that over like 
its mm-hmm. useful life, like over 20 or 30 years. And you see like celebrations of these new highways and new yeah. roads. It's like that's a death sentence for our municipal budget. Like, please stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's like it's it's. But again, like roads got to be paved. Com- like construction companies need to be paid. Like it's, the wheel has got to be greased. And like that is the inter- like that is the actual basis of this economy. Mega projects and like car dealerships and road paving. And Someone, please, for the love of God, prove me wrong. And why are the routes so poorly designed? Who designs that? Like, <laughs> the, each of the buses has their own little saying. Like, people say, "Don't take the two if you've got something to do." Like, <laughs> that shouldn't <laughs> that shouldn't be the case. <laughs> like, oh, how does how do we figure out? Is is it so inefficient? Because, like Drew said, nobody cares. No, I mean, I, I, I actually, I genuinely do believe it's to like punish poor people. I think it's, it's this weird warped like the bus is going to be miserable. Yeah, hope you learn. To like, yeah, to, to like deter people. Get to a like, better job. Yeah, yeah. Like improve your life. Go to the car dealership. Get a car. Drive around. Don't be like the rest of these schlubs. I honestly think that's like, uh, maybe not like the conscious motivation for a lot of this stuff, but yeah, I think that's like the basic default attitude that like a lot of people here have. Like nobody cares about anybody making less than fifty thousand dollars a year, which is like seventy five percent of us. Yeah, super true. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. Does it feel good for you guys to get this out, or is it it's better in? Yeah. Okay. This is good. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, don't have a therapist currently, so this yeah, is me neither. Like, yeah, of course, you don't make enough money. Okay. <laughs> they don't care about you. Exactly. The system uh, works. <laughs> so wonderful. There are layoffs coming too. Big layoffs for city workers, right? Um, so they say. Is that because of money mismanagement? Well, I mean, it's it's. I mean, the budget this year for the city is messed up anyway, just because COVID's destroyed the economy. Like we're, I mean, we're all headed into like one of the worst depressions that we the planet has seen in like a hundred years. So I think that's the important background context for yeah. everything. But yeah, I mean, the city is also limited, like in the taxes it can raise and, and the, the, it, you know, it gets no grants from the provincial government, right? So, and they can't run a deficit? Yes, it's illegal for the city to run a deficit. Yeah, yeah. And it's incredibly sprawly, so it's just super, super expensive to maintain yeah. St. John's given the development that's happened over the last 20, 30 years. Thanks, yeah. Andy Wells, for yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, there's like there are more roads in St. John's like lengthwise than like from St. John's to port Yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. Because like we've we've forfeited like a planning department and like thinking about like a dense city to just like developers just come in with put new suburbs here and here and here and here and it's just like we paved the roads to go there. It's like you know it's the fucking arcade fire song, right? Like first it they is. built the road, then they built the town, and that's why we're just driving around. Mm-hmm. Well, this municipality report so far is upsetting, <laughs> but educational. <laughs> I'm that, glad. That's 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 for the, the second. One. That's the vibe that we try to like, you know, yeah. do here at the Independent. Very upsetting. But you know, Man. like informational. I walk the line every Monday night. I'm like, how depressed are people going to be when they read this? Yeah. I try to throw in a like, couple of happy things like carriage houses and book prices. You know, that. like, I mean, yeah. you know, like, good, good things do occasionally happen here, which yeah. I think it's important to like highlight. But yeah, a lot of very bad things also happen here, which I think is really important to stress to people. Yeah. And also not just say, like, it's so bad. Yeah. Like, actually, maybe give some background about why it's bad and how maybe it doesn't have to be so bad if we do it differently. Yeah. Like, yeah, things, things actually could be good and better. What's an actionable step? that like regular people could take to make the municipality better? Regular people vote in the next election. Like we had very poor voter turnout last time. I mean, 
it was less than 60%, I believe. So get out and vote and like more people need to run who actually care about making this a decent place to live Mm -hmm. going forward. Like we need more participation in democracy. The progressives on council can be as progressive as they want, but if we don't have a majority to to win a vote, then progressive things are not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be a tipping point on that 11 roster council table. So register to vote. Great. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> no, no okay. yeah, I mean, no, like, I like your anger. No, I mean, like the <laughs> most the most basic thing is I think people just have to start paying attention. I honestly, I think the main thing is yeah. like most people don't pay attention to municipal politics because they think it's boring. Which, like, yeah, sure, sitting down and listening to like city policy is not the most exciting thing in the world, but it is super important because it determines like how your city works and like how yeah. you live your daily life. Yeah. And if you don't pay attention, then like bad things are going to happen and you're not going to know about it until it's too late. Exactly. Which, you know, we could argue is maybe the problem with the mic plan. Yeah. But we're not going to go back down in that rabbit hole until we actually do the full dedicated episode about the bike plan, which is coming eventually when we get those proverbial hazmat suits. Anyway, I guess to like wrap this up on a sort of happy note, um, Jess, thank you for coming and talking to us. This yeah, thank you so much. Oh, you're so Excellent. welcome. Thanks so much, Drew and Andy. Yeah. Oh, no problem. I am stoked to keep reading Slow Moved. Yay. that's our show for this week thanks for tuning in i'm Drew brown i'm here with mandy bowman producer luke quinton the independent of course is uh, entirely powered by donations so uh, if you enjoyed any of this content please feel free to donate um if you do donate you get access to an exclusive uh letter from the editor mostly every weekend unless i'm having a nervous breakdown um which is actually very rare lately um <laughs> And it's, you know, like full of good stuff. We've, we've been publishing a lot of really good content lately. Uh, Connor McCann of Chess Crosby's Instagram fame uh, recently found the biggest Newfoundland dog in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, I'm not going to spoil just how big the dog was, but it does resemble more of a small bear than a dog. Um, so you should definitely check that out. Jen Thormer-Verma and uh, Jack Daly have published a really deep, very thorough investigation of, like, actually how many people are employed in the fish processing sector here and who actually controls fish processing sector here, which is a significantly important question that has, I think, gone unanswered until they put it all together in this document. Um, turns out the, like, <laughs> Danish Crown Corporation controls fully, like, 10%. And, uh, yeah, there's three processing companies that run, I think, 30%. It's a really cool, like, oligopoly or oligopsony. Anyway, really good article. You'll learn all about fish processing. If you read it, I learned a lot. Keep an eye out for Jess's municipal report that comes out on... Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, unless council meets on Tuesday because Monday is a holiday or some other weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we have a regular municipal politics feature, which you've now heard all about. So you should definitely like and subscribe (laughs) and uh yeah donate some money and keep us pumping out good stuff anyway if you enjoyed this podcast uh, we highly encourage you to actually like and subscribe to it it's available on apple and google and spotify and just like rss i don't know it's all covered by everywhere you conceivably go to get a podcast Mm -hmm. so yeah. Maybe share it on Twitter and like give us feedback. Or feedback's great. Only good feedback though, no bad feedback. Yeah, yeah and money. Yes. <laughs> Most money. importantly, money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. Good podcast. Okay. Yay. <laughs>